Welcome to another hey. edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. How are you, Joe Patrice? Pretty, oh. Good. Yes. I, I, I am good. But vibe was not prepared for, for I, you to I try and... I enjoy that I seem to have thrown you off your game. Yeah. So I, uh, That's no, a good not, time for me. Nothing, nothing makes this seem more like a professional podcast <laughs> than constantly trying to throw everybody off balance. It makes you unhappy. That is I mean, true. A win is a win. A, people describe blog as a fast workplace environment. This actually feels on brand. Yeah. It's uh, well, that, cut off. Yeah, I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. Yeah, and that was Chris Williams from Above the Law. And we've been interrupted before that by Catherine Rubino. Uh, we are here to talk about some of the big stories of the week in the legal universe, though first, as always, we begin with a little bit of a section of the show we like to call Small Talk. Small Talk. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, that sounded super evil. And with that, so yeah, so today uh, we're all kind of dealing with the fallout of some bank collapses. Uh, one... One that's getting more attention, uh, we don't need to worry as much about. But one, but one that's getting a little less attention is Signature. So, uh, how's that going? This is this is small talk, even though it's kind of it's not legal just, related. It's not at all small. It's just not a full segment, but it okay. is absolutely related to our jobs, mm. which is not small talk. Medium talk. Okay. Medium talk. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've been um, partying like it's 1930s up in here with banks collapsing. Okay. It's been some mm. good times. Obviously, Silicon Valley Bank collapsed on Friday. Uh, and on Sunday, regulators in New York took over Signature Bank, which, you know, is not a ginormous bank. You may not have heard of it, but, you know, it's New York-based bank and does a lot of business with law firms, a lot of other professional services, um, some real estate, and, you know, a fairly traditional kind of mix of business, one might think. Mm. But you'd be correct up until about 2018, which is when um, Signature, in addition to sort of doing all this law firm work, started to get heavily involved in crypto. Oh, oh no. Yeah, I did see that, you know, uh, one of the things that I've been tracking on this is that obviously the, a lot of these bank closures, these three bank closures with a, as of recording in a week that we're talking about, uh, a lot of them uh, have collapsed because the Dodd-Frank protections that were originally created were then loosened in 2018, largely at the lobbying work of Barney Frank himself, who at that point had become a board member of Signature Bank. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, he's certainly made some comments thinking that the regulators' takeover of Signature was a bit premature. There was a run on deposits on Friday, but the bank seems to, or says at this point, that they would have had it under control had they been allowed to open for business on Monday. I mean, Sam Bankman-Fried says the same thing, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but the other kind of interesting part, particularly for those who are involved in the crypto industry with Silvergate also sort of going under, Silvergate and Signature were the two primary 24-7 uh, solutions for crypto businesses and exchange. Aww. 
Mm. So yeah, <laughs> it'll be it'll be an interesting time. Yeah, you know, it, it, everybody keeps blaming crypto just because it's completely made up money that's that's driven largely by Ponzi schemes. And yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. fair. Fake, fake money has a way of being fake. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the subheading to this. <laughs> that's the corny reason for blaming crypto. I blame crypto because it's fun to say. Mm. Like, you know, the dollar, boring. Crypto, it's yeah. mysterious. You know, and it makes tech <laughs> bros angry. Mysterious is really what you want in a financial instrument, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing says secure trade like, I don't know how much this is worth. <laughs> so uh, speaking of how much things are worth, also a uh, quick shout out to the lawyers somewhere in the world uh, who are getting paid for closing arguably the most significant dollar and 20 cent deal in history, uh, the UK yeah. SVB holdings could have become a big problem, but HSBC has stepped in and bought all of SVP UK for one pound. So sub, mm. some lawyers were up all night inking a deal <laughs> to allow them to take over. Billing a lot more than a dollar. One would assume billing more than a <laughs> dollar twenty uh, at current exchange rates. So congrats to them. So yeah, so is that good uh, for our small talk segment? I think it probably is. Oh well, no, it's, it's not medium. small talk, it's, it's medium definitely talk. definitely medium talk. <laughs> Yeah, medium talk. That's our sound. Uh, <laughs> different our, sound for it. You know? Well, that's why I played the party horn. I thought that that was our medium oh, talk I like sound. It. I respect that. Um, yeah, you know. All right, so let's get to the important news of the day. What's going on? Thanks for keeping. I'm up pretty with sure it was your story, Joe. <laughs> that's true. I thought so you I would thought invite you might me want to, to introduce it. And I thought See, you might invite me to do it. Read the pre-show memo. It's that you've fallen down on the job. You are such a uh, guy. You, you are the is, opposite of a generous improv partner. Uh, <laughs> this, this is the revenge of small talk here. You saw uh, that, that that little segment felt like the felt like the personal interaction. I like it. I like it. Just yeah. I, you know who I don't like? Who? Judge Duncan. Oh, there we go. All right. Bum, thanks bum, for bum. thanks for a segue. So yeah. So we have. Well, the, I know you need help. Mm, yeah. Okay. Sure. So, the this is the most recent uh, episode in the ongoing cancel culture crisis, as it is being disingenuously billed throughout the law school world. Uh, this time, it is not at Yale. Finally, Woo! finally, we don't talk about Yale. This is at Stanford. Judge Duncan, who's you know probably most he's involved in a lot of retrograde opinions, but most famously for going out of his way to explain why misgendering people is his is is part is his role uh, and that he as a matter of law feels that they must be misgendered uh this violated his own circuit's rules by the way but he did it anyway that's a hot take yeah it made him something of a little bit of a minor celebrity among well he's right trying to increase that isn't he among mm. uh, kind of the right-wing powers that be that choose who gets promoted down the road uh he does seem to have seemingly decided he'd fallen behind in that and needed a <laughs> needed a q uh, a q boost and decided to go he to wanted some headlines and he's got them yeah so he went to stanford for an event there was a protest, as one might expect from somebody like that going to Stanford. 
then, uh, yeah, so he's managed to get Stanford at the school to apologize to him in a letter. So what did he do that Stanford had felt that they had to apologize? Well, I mean, there were protesters, right? And, uh, and you know, the usual, the usual procedure of claiming that he was shouted down by, by these law students acting uh, outrageous behavior where they're not acting like real law students who would understand and civilly debate things. You know, the usual talking points. Unfortunately, the extra, the extra layer to this is that, you know, say what you will about the Alliance Defending Freedom, who's been kind of driving a lot of these events, the uh, recognized hate group who keeps going to law school campuses, having a protest, and then claiming, oh, look at all these horrible law students. Judge Duncan took it a, a new direction <laughs> and a new direction that that kind of, I mean, I would have thought would not have helped him out. But it, it potentially opens a new chapter in this ongoing discussion because he rolled in and rather than really strive to maintain that moral high ground of, yeah, you don't like me, but I, I will engage you and I, I'll listen to your questions and answer and we'll have civil discourse uh, the problem for him is that these students decided to do that. Uh, there were obviously protests and signs and so on, and less than civil comments at various points throughout the event. But what ended up happening is several people started asking him actual pointed questions about how he would defend certain decisions that he made. And how did he take that? He did not deal well. <laughs> he, he did not like the idea that he might have to actually answer a question, which historically has been kind of the moral high ground that you, you needed to make this whole, this whole thing work. It's kind of the conceit of the whole thing is the, like the debate me conceit that these people use, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, these sorts of speakers want to paint themselves as the only adult in the room, and that falls apart when you're acting like a toddler. Yeah, the, the victimhood game is problematic when you start yelling at the st in students' faces that they're appalling idiots. Uh, he dismissed a woman telling a story of how she had been raped with nice story. Uh, he claims he claims in an update to that that he didn't say that, that what he'd really said is that's a story, not a question. Uh, whether or Which not is better qu somehow qu query whether or not that's better in any way, but that is his defense of what he actually had said there. Uh, he said T question. Yeah, basically. It's more of a comment than a question. Uh, it was kind of his take. Uh, but still, yeah, he's he's active. Uh, he was asked about the in particular about that misgendering opinion and asked how he squares that opinion with other canons of canons of legal practice that you're supposed to treat people with respect why is it that like this situation does not deserve the respect of that uh his response to that was uh just just read the opinion for the reasons in the opinion all right um that's not not really engaging in civil discourse he was also asked about some voting rights cases i believe it was he said well which case cite the case cite the case and when the Student didn't have it off the top of his head. He apparently berated them that you think you could get away with this in court not knowing. Then the student, because this the, is not court, first of all, the, it's not court. And because the internet is amazing, the student then <laughs> found the site and said, This one. And he said, Was I even on the panel of that one? And my question is, Does he think that would work in court to not even know whether <laughs> what his job is? Yeah. And then he blew off that question too. Yeah. The whole thing kind of became an episode where 
you know, be careful what you wish for. You, they, they, they are, the conceit of all this is wish to have a open debate where people ask you questions. And then when they did, he was not ready. Yeah, I think this wildly yeah. backfired on Judge Duncan. I mean, even I think folks who are predisposed to say things like, oh, these protests have gotten out of hand. This is a problem. But even those folks are saying as bad as you might think students protesting someone on campus is this behavior is worse. Well, but that's kind of the I hear that. But and there are definitely some voices that are generally critical of students that are are saying that. However, the the part that I think is a little more scary is that it has seemingly worked. Uh, the usual folks, the Free Beacon and Ed Whalen and all the like usual and Jonathan Turley, your usual kind of clown car folks who trump up these issues, reference totally intended, I guess there, uh, <laughs> they they are not wavering. They're like, you, one would think if this was really a backfire, they would try to downplay this one as much as possible, but they're leaning into it too. Uh, they're very much recharacterizing this as he did nothing wrong and it's all the students. And there's some disingenuously edited together video clips that make it seem like they were all out to get him. Uh, there are more full clips that uh, some folks, I know Jay Willis of Balls and Strikes have put up that show that this really this is this is not more, the way yeah. it went down. This yeah. is the edited version. <laughs> right. So we, we've got some. Uh... Yeah. And I, I mean, I think we kind of made this point when we were talking about James Ho, another federal judge, uh, very much to the right. Uh, when we we're talking about him, I think that there's a rush to get the most headlines to appear mm-hmm. the most. Obviously, you know, despite any legal methods just going to give the political results that the far right, right wants. And that's how they get promoted. It is resume via trolling. But it, <laughs> but here's the thing Great about line. Here's the re, here's the thing about Judge Ho's situation though, where Judge Ho parachuted himself into the Yale situation that didn't involve him and started making claims that he was going to boycott them. That's how he kind of got his his attention there. But the thing with Ho is he's a he's a lot more clever. I mean he he held on to that moral high ground. He mm-hmm. leaned into the idea that I know I'm that, serious. You know, and I'm you're serious, not. and yeah, they could have just let. I mean, the, part of that is the benefit, brilliantly on his part, mm-hmm. of he wasn't part of this protest, right? He was on the outside talking about it after the fact. He didn't have to have the moment where somebody asked him a pointed question and he didn't have an answer. Uh, this is where Duncan seems to have miscalculated but or maybe not i mean mean, if they're leaning letting it happen but even though his name might be on the top of some lists i do think that this kind of an incident and the backlash that is coming from some corners affects your ability to be reconfirmed by the senate to a higher job me i mean perhaps i don't know like it it, i view that we are kind of in a kind of in a zero you know in a in a moment of seeing zero gravity to see where this goes if the narrative ends up leaning more towards the way in which Zillow Ed, as we all call him, because he's the one who tried to... That's a that's a decently old reference. I appreciate it, though. Yeah, that's the one where Ed Whalen tried to prove that Kavanaugh could not have possibly uh, engaged in an attempted assault because he's looked at the floor plans on Zillow and it just doesn't <laughs> add up. Uh, but yeah, if, those, if that narrative 
holds, then, you know, maybe you can get away with this. And I, I kind of characterize it very much as like a wrestling heel situation. Like mm -hmm. he, he, he rolled in like Ric Flair. Uh, you all hate me cause I'm so pretty. And, and then got <laughs> yeah, the crowd I that mean, way. I, I hear what you're saying, but fundamentally you're going to need moderate Republicans at a minimum in order to pull off the next level. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, you know, this just happened fairly recently to see what the longer term blowback is. I mean, I do think that he is more of a long shot than somebody like Ho yeah, anyway. I think that's uh, true. I, and so ultimately, I get, maybe you're right. I, I don't think this gets him ahead of Ho in Leonard Leo's book of <laughs> wish lists. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. All right, we're back. For anybody who's interested, Elon Musk continues to screw everything up uh, on, <laughs> a, on a legal, if not business level. Uh, but mm -hmm. he's had another uh, run-in with... Uh, Wait, I, we should clarify. Are you talking about the killing monkeys with the Neuralink stuff? Oh, no, we already knew he was killing monkeys with Neuralink. No, <laughs> oh, let, are you talking about Tesla losing like, like hundreds of millions of dollars worth of stock? You know, no, actually. I think we already knew about that one. Uh, oh, there was. Okay. He did something else that got him into into hot water last week. I don't quite remember what it was. Oh, I think he did an ableism. Well, uh, yeah. He it, did an ableism. There you go. There you go. Fair enough. Uh, or, or for those of you who are more legally inclined, anti-discrimination law tends to say that you don't you don't publicly mock employees for having EDA violations having about. muscular dystrophy. But you mm -hmm. know, yeah. Elon. Elon is an iconoclast who... Elon's yeah. Elon, you guys. Yeah. I Elon mean, he's, Musk's. he's playing 12-dimensional chess here, friends. Uh, this is oh, all God. part of the plan. Yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit about how this went down. Yeah, well, um, man-child billionaire Elon Musk, um, after being contacted by an indeterminate, unknown at the time, employee, contacted Musk directly because after nine days of him reaching out to HR... HR never got back to him. He says, hey, do I work for you? And then Elon decides that this is a good time to show his fans how cultured he is. So I think he has like some clip from like some office comedy, you know, the type of stuff you'd expect. Yeah. 
people who have bad Elden Ring builds to find humorous, you know. <laughs> what I'm saying is this humor never progressed past 1993. Anyway, so adding towards that, South Park asks humor. He then mocks the guy for being, um, for having muscular dystrophy. He's like, this guy does no work. Over time, you then find out not only does this guy do a lot of work for Twitter, he's also like the like one of the best people in the world, <laughs> like voted for like three times. <laughs> not only does he do a lot of work at Twitter, he does a lot of work everywhere else, and he, he has muscular dystrophy, so he's harder working than for everyone else, which you can't make fun of for people like Twitter, by the way. So like, so he also he a lot yeah. Of stuff. So so the, so there's definitely that. There's also kind of importantly, he had an employment agreement that includes a hundred million dollar right. termination clause. Uh, wah, wah. So well, here's uh, the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. So because so the guy named Holly, since he has like tact mm-hmm. and common sense, it was never he never explicitly said, "Run me what you owe me, motherfucker." But he was very <laughs> he did it in like the ways you would expect an adult. <laughs> like, am I allowed to talk about this? Is this permission to disclose? Here's what I do, blah, blah, blah. The thing we had talked about, is that still in play? And then the, bumble- <laughs> and then the bubbling car monkey guys, like, ooh, what are you talking about? Ooh, I'm smart. <laughs> I just, like, you know, we st- is, he committed the like the workplace lawsuit equivalent of dumping over a, a huge truck of ramen noodles and everybody just like rubbernecking at the crash because it's so beautiful to see in real time it's like oh he's actively losing money yeah. well also because he's you know a man child who needs all the attention all the time we saw it all because he's forced his tweets onto everyone's feed so yeah. even when he fucks up everybody mm-hmm. knows it, yeah. it really and and then once the, once he's like, oh no, what is that on the fan blades? Is that shit? Did the shit hit the fan? And then he goes back and deletes tweets where there was one tweet. He was like, this guy is literally the worst person in the world. All the people who he knows hates him because he had a popularity poll. Was like, should I still run Twitter? And everyone said no. They take screenshots, so he can't clean up the mess he makes once he tries to make it. It does raise the question, though, like, what's going on with his legal counsel here? Uh, th- th- He's fired them all, no? I mean, there's there's yeah. been uh, there's been a lot of folks fired, uh, but mm-hmm. this is yeah. what happens when you fire all the lawyers. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. if, if it looks if if the if the conditions counselor look anything like what any other people that work for him look like, if they say anything to him either publicly or privately about the bullshit he's shitting about, they get fired. But you don't need to you don't need to question his like feelings to say you can feel however you want, sir. You will owe a hundred million dollars if this happens. How do we feel about that? <laughs> uh, like like uh, that's the sort of advice that I think you could give pretty easily. The fun part was that the suspected contract breach. He would pay the guy a hundred have to pay guy a hundred million dollars because the company that he had was bought up by Twitter, right? Right. Then on top of that, out of speculation, oh shit, maybe. Instead of playing 4D checkers, Elon is playing chess with checkers pieces. Tesla mm. stock then plummeted. And then of it's course. like, oh, wait, this isn't even the first time. There were four other people on Do Not Fire list that got fired. And I'm like, how? <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was the to be fired list. Yeah, it was a was simple like, reading comprehension yeah. issue there. It, it's bad. It, but, it, but it really does. It, even if 
even if, and no, I mean, in a serious angle on this, I do think mm-hmm. there's something to be said for how do you manage a manage a client, uh, even whether you're in house or not. And if you have a client who is prone to firing people uh, for questioning him, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe you you pick your battles. You don't necessarily give him the primer on how discrimination law works, but. But you know, yeah, you of point course out you the can contract. fire him. It's going to cost you a hundred right. million you know, like you, dollars. You no. do, you do something uh, because you kind of have an obligation to try. But I mean, the, <laughs> the problem is this is how all of this has already happened, right? Like the mm-hmm. fundamentally, the reason this guy even owns Twitter is because he told Scadden to stop asking for a due diligence protection in the in the agreement. And they ultimately acquiesced to that. And then when he decided he wanted out, he had already waived the only way he could get out. Like it's the the, the customer is always right, but also a moron. Uh, and <laughs> at a certain point, where do you as a lawyer draw the line uh, between doing what the client asks and uh, protecting the client from themselves? You know, very glad I'm not Elon Musk's lawyer, though. I was yeah. about to say, thankfully, that's not for me to figure out. I just get the call right. the guy stupid, which yeah. I, think, <laughs> I think is the proper position to be in. You know, that's fair. That's, right. that's fair. But that's but that's that's just me thinking like a lawyer. Oh, uh, wow! So and, and naming the naming the show, well done. You get it. You um, get it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. The other the other thing that happened this week is our former host uh, Ellie Mistal back. You know. Back when I didn't get interrupted all the time. This is uh, so much better. Mm. I agree. <laughs> also, also anybody who listens to an archival episode will know that that's not true at they all. Got, <laughs> I, I got interrupted. Well, I got interrupted constantly then. But uh, Ellie Mistal wrote a piece in the Nation where he talked about he really blasted Merrick Garland for having not put Trump in under indictment earlier. It is not particularly clear for what, and by that I mean. Obviously, he meant for various January 6th actions, but it wasn't very particularly clear what statute he thought uh, would have supported an indictment based on the evidence that at that point was undeveloped. I responded with an article about how you can't really blame Merrick Garland for that because that's just not how the criminal justice system operates. Uh, if you, If the various statutes that one could charge Trump under if you were to do that the you would have to either cross lines into what incitement means that would be particularly troubling or you would have to have rolled in with half proven claims and hoped that the evidence would miraculously appear before the trial or else you'd end up with you know giving Trump a double jeopardy protection from ever going after it. Yeah, I mean, so. I think two things. First of all, as tempting as I think incitement is, and I think that what Trump did was obviously a lot closer, but I think that anything that extends what incitement is is just more likely to be used against BLM protesters, other protesters. Anytime there's even, you know, two pennies worth of property damage. Well, we already saw this. Yeah. This already went to the Supreme Court. They tried to go after DeRay for speaking mm-hmm. at an event and then later one person at the event threw a brick and they tried to put him in prison for that. Right. And even even this Supreme Court saying, thought that was insane. Right. But I'm saying if we are ex- if we extend it to this case yeah. without more evidence, yeah. particularly at the time that we, what we knew then, I think that that would have been particularly problematic. I think the other point is that 
it underplays how valuable an acquittal would have been for Trump. If you didn't have all your ducks in a row, if you don't have a slam dunk for sure conviction, I think Mm -hmm. that Donald Trump getting to get up and scream about how he's been acquitted and how that proves that he's innocent is infinitely more dangerous than not going after him. I mean, that's the Omar line, right? Like, if you come at the king, you, you, can't, you can't be missing here. Like, that's the whole point. It was, it was probably cooler when Omar said it, but I get you. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I was, I was trying to inject a little bit of pop culture cool into this show. I cool. respect the effort. Question mark. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. But, anyway, yeah. <laughs> it, it, but, but this was the back and forth we got. And, I, I'm, you know, and Ellie has a lot of fervent fans who have been sending me a lot of very mean ma- mail about me questioning whether or not you could have just kind of magicked Trump into yeah, prison. And I, and I think that magicking it is the right way also to frame it because it'd be great. I understand the impulse to say, you know, kind of in a, I know it when I see it. I don't know the statute, but I know that shit ain't good. I, I, I feel that. I viscerally feel that. But I don't think that that is what lawyers one, but certainly most specifically, the attorney general should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a tension between the colloquial use of incitement. Cause like, there's no question there, mm-hmm. but like thinking about things legally, it really is like, well, what exactly happened here? Cause, cause mm-hmm. I, cause I agree with, I, I agree with Joe. I'm like, however, incitement gets stretched here in this case, how will this affect people protesting pipelines? You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. How will this affect people trying to draw attention to, um, rapidly approaching climate crisis, and 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 it'll be great for like what is it, like contextual irony. Like I think about that there were a bunch of um laws that were passed that were meant to like net Black Lives Matter protesters that ended up getting used against uh, Trump supporters. <laughs> like that happens back right. and forth. But like yeah, it's like writing with a scalpel. You, know, you have to be very particular with how you cut and dice up what these words mean in legal context. And, and it seemed it kind of felt like a lot of the. A lot of the oh, we should we should put him in jail for X Y Z. I I would try to link that up with a a statute that already exists, and I was like, but mm-hmm. but if these are the elements, you don't you don't have that, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, would be nice though. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and well, and there's a reason why you know like it, there's a reason why mob bosses don't go to jail immediately, right? Like at a certain point, at least not after two years. <laughs> It's yeah, why well, they, like it's the why whole, they go to jail for tax evasion, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean there's certainly that too, but, it, but there's some also tax issue with Trump or anything. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, and but but that's that's the issue. Like those those kind of financial crimes in this classified documents case, like are much more concrete issues. Uh, but they aren't ones that Ellie was really talking about because he yeah. he's more talking about the he his whole goal is that there should have been something that could have triggered the Fourteenth Amendment's bar on somebody holding public office down the road. Like a, like with a mob boss, they don't go to jail instantly either because the whole design of the system is they don't do any actual they don't do crime, the right? Thing. Like somebody else does, and then over time you get up the chain and find out they were ordered to do that thing. Uh, but you don't, you you can't just jump right to it. Uh, and yes, we all know, but that's not enough. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's been uh, that's been that this week. Any other last? items before we begin our our farewell i have one i just i just wanted to say and this relates to this it was um a billboard i've seen and by that i mean it's probably saw it online it's important to keep in mind in this context uh, i was this lawyer advertising his services and he said just because you did it does not mean you're guilty nice <laughs> <laughs> 
Fair enough. So uh, our our one announcement is uh, we aren't going to be able to have a show next week. Just uh, the, the hecticness of legal week and everything is going to force that off. So we will see you in two weeks, everybody. Probably talk about legal week and everything when that happens. Stay tuned for the very exciting legal technology updates. That was they good. Are, they that are. Was good. They are exciting. Fuck the updates. That was some good voice. That was some I, good voice. I was like, "What outro to anime was this?" <laughs> that was good. Have you considered doing radio? <laughs> Subscribe to the show so that you get new episodes when they come out. Give us reviews, stars, write something. It always helps more people find the show. You should listen to other shows like Catherine's on the has the Jabo. I'm on the Legal Tech Week journalist roundtable you should be listening to the other offerings of the legal talk network you should follow us on social media elon's pet home is where a lot of us are uh, the blog is at atl blog i'm at joseph trees she's at Catherine one as in the numeral one there chris is at rights for rent we are Yes. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah, that has become an issue. So writes as in he's writing like, a, yeah, okay. Anyway, it's meant to be uh, clever. Yeah, it is. Uh, you should be reading above the law so you see these stories and others before we chat about them here. And with all that, we will uh, check in with you in a bit. Peace. Peace. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.